Chapter Three, Part One of Ruggles of Red Gap by Harry Leon Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, Part One. As I brisked out of bed the following morning at half after six, I could not but wonder rather nervously what the day might have in store for me. I was obliged to admit that what I was in for looked a bit thick as i opened my door i heard stealthy footsteps down the hall and looked out in time to observe cousin egbert entering his own room it was not this that startled me he would have been abroad i knew for the ham and eggs that were forbidden him yet i stood aghast for with the lounge suit of tweeds i had selected the day before he had worn his top hat i am aware that these things i relate of him may not be credited i can only put them down in all sincerity i hastened to him and removed the thing from his head i fear it was not with the utmost deference for i have my human moments it's not done sir i protested he saw that i was offended all right sir he replied meekly but how was i to know i thought it kind of set me off he referred to it as a stovepipe hat i knew then that i should find myself overlooking many things in him he was not a person one could be stern with and i even promised that mrs effie should not be told of his offence he promising in turn never again to stir abroad without first submitting himself to me and agreeing also to wear sock suspenders from that day forth i saw indeed that diplomacy might work wonders with him at breakfast in the drawing-room during which cousin egbert earned warm praise for mrs effie for his lack of appetite he winking violently at me during this i learned that i should be expected to accompany him to a certain art gallery which corresponds to our british museum i was a bit surprised indeed to learn that he largely spent his days there and was accustomed to make notes of the various objects of interest i insisted explained mrs effie that he should absorb all the culture he could on his trip abroad so i got him a notebook in which he puts down his impressions and i must say he's done fine some of his remarks are so good that when he gets home i may have him read a paper before our onwards and upwards club cousin egbert wriggled modestly at this and said shucks which i took to be a term of deprecation you needn't pretend said mrs effie just let ruggles here look over some of the notes you have made and she handed me a notebook of ruled paper in which there was a deal of writing i glanced as bidden at one or two of the paragraphs and confessed that i too was amazed at the fluency and insight displayed along lines in which i should have thought the man entirely uninformed this choice work represents the first or formative period of the master began one note 
but distinctly foreshadows that later method which made him at once the hope and despair of his contemporaries in the portrait of the artist by himself we have a canvas that well repays patient study since here is displayed in its full flower that ruthless realism happily attenuated by a superbly subtle delicacy of brushwork it was really quite amazing and i perceived for the first time that cousin egbert must be a diamond in the rough as well-known saying has it i felt indeed that i would be very pleased to accompany him on one of his instructive strolls through this gallery for i have always been of a studious habit and anxious to improve myself in the fine arts you see asked mrs effie when i had perused this fragment and yet folks back home would tell you that he's just a cousin egbert here coughed alarmingly no matter she continued he'll show them that he's got something in him mark my words quite so madam i said and i shall consider it a privilege to be present when he further prosecutes his art studies you may keep him out till dinner-time she continued i'm shopping this morning and in the afternoon i shall motor to have tea in the boy with the senator and mr neville vane basingwell presently then my charge and i set out for what i hoped was to be a peaceful and instructive day among objects of art though first i was obliged to escort him to a hatter's and glover's to remedy some minor discrepancies in his attire he was very pleased when i permitted him to select his own hat i was safe in this as the shop was really artists in gentlemen's headwear and carried only shapes i observed that were confined to exclusive firms so as to ensure their being worn by the right set as to gloves and a stick he was again rather pettish and had to be set right with some firmness he declared he had lost his stick and gloves of the previous day i discovered later that he had presented them to the lift attendant but i soon convinced him that he would not be let to appear without these adjuncts to a gentleman's toilette then having once more stood by at the barber's while he was shaved and his moustaches firmly waxed anew i saw that he was fit at last for his art studies the barber this day suggested curling the moustaches with a heated iron but at this my charge fell into so unseemly a rage that i deemed it wise not to insist he indeed bluntly threatened a nameless violence to the barber if he were so much as touched with the iron and revealed an altogether shocking gift for profanity saying loudly i'll be dashed if you will i mean to say i have written dashed for what he actually said but at length i had him once more quieted now sir i said when i had got him from the barber shop to the barber's manifest relief i fancy we've time to do a few objects of art before luncheon i've the book here for your comments i added 
quite so he replied and led me at a rapid pace along the street in what i presumed was the direction of the art museum at the end of a few blocks he paused at one of those open-air public houses that disgracefully line the streets of the french capital i mean to say that chairs and tables are set out upon the pavement in the most brazen manner and occupied by the populace who there drink their silly beverages and idle away their time after scanning the score or so of persons present even at so early an hour as ten of the morning he fell into one of the iron chairs at one of the iron tables and motioned me to another at his side when i had seated myself he said beer to the waiter who appeared and held up two fingers now look at here he resumed to me this is a good place to do about four pages of art and then we can go out and have some recreation somewhere seeing that i was puzzled he added this way you take that notebook and write in it out of this here other book till i think you've done enough then i'll tell you to stop and while i was still bewildered he drew from an inner pocket a small well-thumbed volume which i took from him and saw to be entitled one hundred masterpieces of the louvre opener about the middle he directed and pick out something that begins good like here the true art lover will stand entranced you got to write it because i guess you can write faster than what i can i'll tell her i dictated to you get a hustle on now so's we can get through write down about four pages of that stuff stunned i was for a moment at his audacity too plainly i saw through his deception each day doubtless he had come to a low place of this sort and copied into the notebook from the printed volume but sir i protested why not at least go to the gallery where these art objects are stored copy the notes there if that must be done i don't know where the darn place is he confessed i did start for it the first day but i run into a punch and judy show in a little park and i just couldn't get away from it it was so comical with all the french kids hollering their heads off at it anyway what's the use i'd rather sit here in front of this saloon where everything is nice it's very extraordinary sir i said wondering if i oughtn't to cut off to the hotel and warn mrs effie so that she might do a heated foot to him as he had once expressed it well i guess i've got my rights as well as anybody he insisted i'll be pushed just so far and no farther not if i never get any more cultured than a jack rabbit and now you better go on and write or i'll be dashed if i'll ever wear another thing you tell me to he had a most bitter and dangerous expression on his face so i thought best to humor him once more accordingly i set about writing in his notebook from the volume of criticism he had supplied 
change a word now and then and skip around here and there he suggested as i wrote so as it'll sound more like me quite so sir i said and continued to transcribe from the printed page i was beginning the fifth page in the notebook being in the midst of an enthusiastic description of the bit of statuary entitled the winged victory when i was startled by a wild yell in my ear cousin egbert had leaped to his feet and now danced in the middle of the pavement waving his stick and hat high in the air and shouting incoherently at once we attracted the most undesirable attention from the loungers about us the waiters and the passers-by in the street many of whom stopped at once to survey my charge with the liveliest interest it was then i saw that he had merely wished to attract the attention of someone passing in a cab half a block down the boulevard i saw a man likewise waving excitedly standing erect in the cab to do so the cab thereupon turned sharply came back on the opposite side of the street crossed over to us and the occupant alighted he was an american as one might have fancied from his behaviour a tall dark-skinned person wearing a drooping moustache after the former style of cousin egbert supplemented by an imperial he wore a loose-fitting suit of black which had evidently received no proper attention from the day he purchased it under a folded collar he wore a narrow cravat tied in a bow knot and in the bosom of his white shirt there sparkled a diamond such as might have come from a collection of crown jewels this much i had time to notice as he neared us cousin egbert had not ceased to shout nor had he paid the least attention to my tugs at his coat when the cab's occupant descended to the pavement they fell upon each other and did for some moments a wild dance such as i imagine they might have seen the red indians of western america perform most savagely they punched each other calling out in the meantime well old horse and who'd ever expected to see you here darn your old skin their actual phrases be it remembered the crowd i was glad to note fell rapidly away many of them shrugging their shoulders in a way the french have and even the waiters about us quickly lost interest in the pair as if they were hardened to the sight of americans greeting one another the two were still saying well well rather breathlessly but had become a bit more coherent jeff tuttle you dashed old longhorn exclaimed cousin egbert good old sourdough exploded the other ain't this just like old home week i thought maybe you wouldn't know me with all my bead-work and my new war bonnet on continued cousin egbert know you why you knock-kneed old siwash i could pick out your hide in a tan-yard <laughs> well 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 replied cousin egbert well 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 
said the other, and again they dealt each other smart blows. Where'd you turn up from? demanded Cousin Egbert. Europe, said the other. We been all over Europe and Italy. Just come from some place over the divide where they talk Dutch. The madam and the two girls and me, with the Reverend Timmons and his wife, right in line on us. Say, he's an out-and-out -out devil for cathedrals. It's just one church after another with him. Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, takes them all in. Never overlooks a bet. He's got Addie and the girls out now. My gosh, it's solemn work. Me, I ducked out this morning. How'd you do it? Told the little woman I had to have a tooth pulled. I was working it up on the train all day yesterday. Say, what you all rigged out like that for, sourdough? And what you done to your face? Cousin Egbert here turned to me in some embarrassment. Colonel Ruggles, shake hands with my friend Jeff Tuttle from the state of Washington. Pleased to meet you, Colonel, said the other, before I could explain that I had no military title whatever, never having, in fact, served our king, even in the ranks. He shook my hand warmly. Any friend of sourdough flouds is all right with me, he assured me. What's the matter with having a drink? I say, listen here, I wouldn't have to be blinded and backed into it, said Cousin Egbert enigmatically, I thought. But as they sat down, I too seated myself. Something within me had sounded a warning. As well as I know it now, I knew then in my inmost soul that I should summon Mrs. Effie before matters went any farther. Beer is all I know how to say, suggested Cousin Egbert. Leave that to me, said his new friend, masterfully. Where's the boy? Here, boy. Whiskey soda. That's French for highball, he explained. I've had to pick up a lot of their lingo. Cousin Egbert looked at him admiringly. Good old Jeff, he said simply. He glanced aside to me for a second with downright hostility, then turned back to his friend. Something tells me, Jeff, that this is going to be the first happy day I've had since I crossed the state line. I've been pestered to death, Jeff, what with Mrs. Effie after me to improve myself so's I can be a social credit to her back in Red Gap and learn to wear clothes and go without my breakfast and attend art galleries. If you'd stand by me, I'd throw her down good and hard right now, but you know what she is. I sure do, put in Mr. Tuttle so fervently that I knew he spoke the truth. That woman can bite through nails. But here's your drink, sourdough. Maybe it will cheer you up extraordinary i mean to say biting through nails three rows and cheers exclaimed cousin egbert with more animation than i had ever known him to display 
here's looking at you colonel said his friend to me whereupon i partook of the drink not wishing to offend him decidedly he was not vogue his hat was remarkable being of a black felt with a high crown and a wide flapping brim across his waistcoat was a watch-chain of heavy links with a weighty charm consisting of a sculptured gold horse and full gallop that sort of thing would never do with us here george he immediately called to the waiter for they had quickly drained their glasses tell the bartender three more by gosh that's good after the way i've been hailed down me too said cousin egbert i didn't know how to say it in french that reverend held me down continued the tuttle person a glass of native wine he says may perhaps be taken now and then without harm well i says leave us have ales wines liquors and cigars i says but not him i'd get a thimbleful of elderberry wine or something about every second friday except when i'd duck out the side door of a church and find some caffy here george Foomer, Foomer, bring us some cigars and then stay in that spot i may want you well well said cousin egbert again as if the meeting were still incredible you old stinging lizard responded the other affectionately the cigars were brought and i felt constrained to light one the state of washington needn't ever get nervous over the prospect of losing me said the tuttle person biting off the end of his cigar i gathered at once that the americans have actually named one of our colonies washington after the rebel george washington though one would have thought that the indelicacy of this would have been only too apparent but then i recalled as well the city where their so-called parliament assembles washington d c doubtless the initials indicate that it was named in honor of another member of this notorious family i could not but reflect how shocked our king would be to learn of this effrontery cousin egbert who had been for some moments moving his lips without sound here spoke i'm going to try it myself he said here charlie whiskey soda he made me ride off he continued as the waiter disappeared say jeff i bet i could have learned a lot of this language if i'd had someone like you around well it took me some time to get the accent replied the other with a modesty which i could detect was assumed more acutely than ever was i conscious of a psychic warning to separate these two and i resolved to act upon it with the utmost diplomacy the third whiskey and soda was served us three rousing cheers said cousin egbert here's looking at you said the other and i drank when my glass was drained i arose briskly and said i think we should be getting along now sir if mr tuttle will be good enough to excuse us they both stared at me 
Yes, sir, I fancy not, sir, said Cousin Egbert. Stop your kidding, you fat rascal, said the other. Old Bill means all right, said Cousin Egbert. So don't let him irritate you. Bill's our new hired man. He's all right. Just let him talk along. Can't he talk setting down? asked the other. Does he have to stand up every time he talks? Ain't that a good chair? He demanded of me. Here, take mine. And to my great embarrassment, he arose and offered me his chair in such a manner that I felt moved to accept it. Thereupon he took the chair I had vacated and beamed upon us. Now that we're all home, folks, together once more, I would suggest a bit of refreshment. Boy, whiskey soda. I fancy so, sir said cousin egbert dreamily contemplating me as the order was served i was conscious even then that he seemed to be studying my attire with a critical eye and indeed he remarked as if to himself what a coat i was rather shocked by this for my suit was quite a decent lounge suit that had become too snug for the honourable george some two years before yet something warned me to ignore the comment three rousing cheers he said as the drink was served here's looking at you said the tuttle person and again i drank with them against my better judgment wondering if i might escape long enough to be put through to mrs floud on the telephone too plainly the situation was rapidly getting out of hand and yet i hesitated the tuttle person under an exterior geniality was rather abrupt and moreover i now recalled having observed a person much like him in manner and attire in a certain cinema drama of the far wild west he had been a constable or sheriff in the peace and had subdued a band of armed border ruffians with only a small pocket pistol i thought it as well not to cross him when they had drunk each one again said well well you old maverick said cousin egbert you dashed old horned toad responded his friend what's the matter with a little snack not a thing on earth my appetite ain't been so powerful craving since heck was a pup these were their actual words though it may not be believed the tuttle person now approached his cabman who had waited beside the curb say frank he began alley restaurant and this he supplemented with a crude but informing pantomime of one eating cousin egbert was already seated in the cab and i could do nothing but follow alley restaurant commanded our new friend in a louder tone and the cabman with an explosion of understanding drove rapidly off it's a genuine wonder to me how you learned the language so quick said cousin egbert it's all in the accent protested the other i occupied a narrow seat in the front 
facing me in the back seat they lolled easily and smoked their cigars down the thronged boulevard we proceeded at a rapid pace and were passing presently before an immense grey edifice which i recognized as the so-called louvre from its illustration on the cover of cousin egbert's art book he himself regarded it with interest though i fancy he did not recognize it for waving his cigar toward it he announced to his friend the public library his friend surveyed the building with every sign of approval that carnegie is a hot sport all right he declared warmly i'll bet that shack set him back some three rousing cheers said cousin egbert without point that i could detect we now crossed their thames over what would have been westminster bridge i fancy and were presently bowling through a sort of battersea part of the city the streets grew quite narrow and the shops smaller and i found myself wondering not without alarm what sort of restaurant our abrupt friend had chosen three rousing cheers said cousin egbert from time to time with almost childish delight debouching from a narrow street again into what the french term a boulevard we halted before what was indeed a restaurant for several tables were laid on the pavement before the door but i saw at once that it was anything but a nice place au rendez-vous des cochers fidèles read the announcement on the flap of the awning and truly enough it was a low resort frequented by cabbies the meeting-place of faithful coachmen along the curb half a score of horses were eating from their bags while their drivers lounged before the place eating drinking and conversing excitedly in their grotesque jargon we descended in spite of the repellent aspect of the place and our driver went to the front of the line where he fed his own horse cousin egbert already at one of the open-air tables was rapping smartly for a waiter what's the matter with having just one little one before grub asked the tuttle person as we joined him he had a most curious fashion of speech i mean to say when he suggested anything whatsoever he invariably wished to know what might be the matter with it whisky soda demanded cousin egbert of the serving person who now appeared and ask your driver to have one he then urged his friend the latter hereupon addressed the cabman who had now come up voulez-vous take something he demanded and the cabman appeared to accept voulez-vous your friends take something too he demanded further with a gesture that embraced all the cabmen present and these too appeared to accept with the utmost cordiality you're a wonder jeff said cousin egbert you talk it like a professor it come natural to me said the fellow and it's a good thing too if you know a little french you can go all over europe without a bit of trouble inside the place was all activity for many cabmen were now accepting the proffered hospitality and calling votrisanti to their host who seemed much pleased 
then to my amazement cousin egbert insisted that our cabmen should sit at table with us i trust i have as little foolish pride as most people but this did seem like crowding it on a bit thick in fact it looked rather dicky i was glad to remember that we were in what seemed to be the foreign quarter of the town where it was probable that no one would recognize us the drink came though our cabman refused the whisky and secured a bottle of native wine three rousing cheers said cousin egbert as we drank once more and added as an afterthought what a beautiful world we live in voulez-vous make em bring dinner said the tuttle person to the cabman who thereupon spoke at length in his native tongue to the waiter by this means we secured a soup that was not half bad and presently a stew of mutton which cousin egbert declared was some goo to my astonishment i ate heartily even in such raffish surroundings in fact i found myself pigging it with the rest of them with coffee cigars were brought from the tobacconist next door each cabman present excepting one our own man was plainly feeling a vast pride in his party and now circulated among his fellows with an account of our merits this is what i call life said the tuttle person leaning back in his chair i'm coming right back here every day declared cousin egbert happily what's the matter with a little drive to see some well-known objects of interest inquired his friend not art galleries insisted cousin egbert and not churches said his friend every day's been sunday with me long enough and not clothing stores said cousin egbert firmly the colonel here is awful fussy about my clothes he added is eh inquired his friend how do you like this hat of mine he asked turning to me it was that sudden i nearly fluffed the catch but recovered myself in time i should consider it a hat of sound wearing properties sir i said he took it off examined it carefully and replaced it so far so good he said gravely but why be fussy about clothes when god has given you only one life to live don't argue about religion warned cousin egbert i always like to see people well dressed sir i said because it makes such a difference in their appearance he slapped his thigh fiercely my gosh that's true he's got you there sourdough i never thought of that he makes me wear these chest protectors on my ankles said cousin egbert bitterly extending one foot what's the matter of taking a little drive to see some well-known objects of interest said his friend not art galleries said cousin egbert firmly we said that before and not churches and not gents furnishing goods 
You said that before. Well, you said not churches before. Well, what's the matter with taking a little drive? Not art galleries, insisted Cousin Egbert. The things seemed interminable. I mean to say, they went about the circle as before. It looked to me as if they were having a bit of a spree. We'll have one last drink, said the Tuttle person. No, said Cousin Egbert firmly. Not another drop. Don't you see the condition poor Bill here is in? To my amazement, he was referring to me. Candidly, he was attempting to convey the impression that I had taken a drop too much. The other regarded me intently. Pickled, he said. Always affects him that way, said Cousin Egbert. He's got no head for it. Beg pardon, sir, I said, wishing to explain, but this I was not let to do. Don't start anything like that here, broke in the Tuttle person. The police wouldn't stand for it. Just keep quiet, and remember, you're among friends. Yes, sir, quite so, sir, said I, being somewhat puzzled by these strange words. I was merely... Look out, Jeff, warned Cousin Egbert, interrupting me. He's a devil when he starts. Have you got a knife? demanded the other, suddenly. I fancy so, sir, I answered, and produced from my waistcoat pocket the small metal-handled affair I have long carried. This he quickly seized from me. You can keep your gun, he remarked but you can't be trusted with this in your condition. I ain't afraid of a gun, but I am afraid of a knife. You could have backed me off the board any time with this knife. Didn't I tell you? asked Cousin Egbert. Big pardon, sir, I began, for this was drawing it quite too thick. But again he interrupted me. We'd better get him away from this place right off, he said. A drive in the fresh air might fix him, suggested Cousin Egbert. He's as good a scout as you want to know when he's himself. Hereupon, calling our waiting cabman, they both, to my embarrassment, assisted me to the vehicle. Alley Caffey, directed the Tuttle person, and we were driven off to the raised hats of the remaining cabmen through many long, quiet streets. End of chapter 3, part 1